0: Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. What's up City Life? My name's Jerome. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, hopefully we'll get to meet each other one day. If not virtually, hello. 2020, when we think back in the record books, how will we remember this year? Will we look at it as a waste and want to throw it in the trash or an investment that God stripped us of the world to get close to our hearts? I believe it's making us mature. 2020 is stripping us of the world to realize we have the world in Jesus. I believe that's what's taking place. He's stripping us of the world. Now I got to ask you a question this morning. We're going to start this off like this way. Where is the place in your life, when you think of home, what comes to mind? Take a moment, think of it. I got my place. Now, some of us, we think, okay, well, I got no place that felt like home. But maybe somebody thought of someone or somewhere or a house you lived in. Growing up, we moved many different times. But there is one place when I think through my childhood that felt most home. I got a confession before we kick off the message. My confession is this. I have not always wanted to live in Lansing and the area. I didn't always see this as my home. 2001, I was getting ready to sign a lease to move to Oakland, California. And then 9-11 happened. I thought it's probably a good idea to not move to Cali right now. Now, though, I even still currently don't always want to live in Lansing. I currently still don't even always want to live in Michigan. For some people, they're like, okay, if you don't like this country, get out of here. Okay, well, if we're all honest, at some point, each one of us have not always wanted to live where we're at. But I believe in my spirit This is the best place on planet Earth. Why? Because God is here and so are his people. That's case closed. What if when we thought of home, home wasn't found in a place, but home was found in a person, Jesus. Today I hope that the Holy Spirit reshapes and and frames for us how we think of home. The title is Your home, bloom where you're planted. Your home, bloom where you're planted. We're going to the text Jeremiah 29. Tim Keller talks about that this chapter is the story arc of all of Scripture. You see the culmination of how God's people operate in the land that they're living in. Jeremiah's name means God will uplift Yahweh will raise. He's also known as the weeping prophet. He's not received. His message isn't received. He's one of the major prophets. Now when you hear major prophet, minor prophet, you might have been like me. You thought, okay, one's more important, one's less important. But actually they're equal importance. But one is longer, the major prophet, and one is minor prophets in the book. Now the setting that takes place before we go to 29 Uh, In Jeremiah, is that God's people went to the promised land and because of their disobedience have been exiled, they have been overthrown, and their kingdoms are separated. You have the northern kingdom. And then you have the southern kingdom, northern kingdom, Jerusalem, southern kingdom, Judah. And that is what's taking place in Jeremiah's letter. He's going to tell them that they won't return from being exiled, that that won't happen in their lifetime. They won't get to go back at their place that they thought was home. It won't happen in their lifetime. So he tells them to create new lives in the land they're in. This is a huge text for city life. I mean, there's a lot of important texts in the Bible, the whole Bible, but this one is the one we lean in. So as we watch this video and read this passage out of the message, because it highlights it so beautifully, hear this chapter unlike we've ever heard it before. Check this video out.
1: This is the message from God of the angel armies, Israel's God. To all the exiles I've taken from Jerusalem to Babylon build houses and make yourselves at home put in gardens and eat what grows in that country marry and have children encourage your children to marry and have children so that they'll thrive in that country and not waste away make yourselves at home there and work for the country's welfare pray for Babylon's well-being if things go well for Babylon things will go well for you Yes, believe it or not, this is the message from the God of the angel armies, Israel's God. Don't let all those so-called preachers and know who are all over the place there take you in their lies. Don't pay any attention to the fantasies they keep coming up with you to please you. they are a bunch of liars preaching lies and claiming I sent them. I never sent them. Believe me. God's decree. This is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon's 17 years are up, And at a day before, I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I've planned it all out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God's decree. I'll turn things around for you. I'll bring you back from all the countries into which I drove you. God's decree. Bring you home to the place from which I sent you off to into exile. You can count on it.
0: What a rich passage. You might have heard Jeremiah 29, 11 before God has plans for hope, for future, but didn't know that that was packaged in that context with that type of backdrop in that setting. And boy, the person reading that, oh, their voice, <laughs> it was, it's wifey, Crystal. She, she dominated. She going to jump on the microphone real quick. Uh, four observations today from that passage. Uh, again, this message titled, Your Home, Bloom Where You're Planted. Number one, we have all been exiled. We have all been exiled. So each one of us will never feel fully home. Because God sent us away from the garden with himself because of our disobedience. We've all been exiled. So when we look at verse 4, this message from the God of the angel armies, Israel's God, to all the exiles I've taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is key. Sometimes we're complaining in the region we're in, but it was God that put us there. Sometimes we're disappointed that we got put out from something, but it was our disobedience that rejected us to that place. And we blame in our settings, we're blaming our situations, we're blaming our people, and we have a whole list of excuses. But it's kind of hard when you're face-to-face with God and we see that it was God that had exiled them you imagine how they felt to be taken out. Now, the Bible's all one big story. We're with God. We've been exiled from God. And that God pursues us. He even keeps giving these opportunities, brings them to the promised land. The, the, the Israel's, uh, Israelites do not, children of Israel, do not obey God. And then he's got to, okay, boom, try to punish, get their attention again. But then it ultimately culminates in Jesus to help give us a way home. Our friends at the Bible Project, you know, you throw that out there. These people, I've never met them before, but they do amazing videos. Okay. Our friends at the Bible Project have a beautiful video put together so we can understand the word exile. Check this video out.
2: There's something about being home where everything's just right. We're surrounded by people we love and trust. There's a feeling of stability and
3: safety. And while some people get to experience this kind of home, many do not. Others might even be forced to leave their home and go live in a foreign land. We call this going into exile. Yeah, in exile, everything is disoriented. You are in the unknown. And in the story of the Bible, this is where the ancient Israelites found themselves. Conquered by Babylon, living in exile far from their homeland. And so
2: they had to ask themselves, how did we end up here? And is there any hope of going home?
3: And the whole story of the Bible is designed to address those very questions. The whole story? Really? Yeah, go back to the first pages of the Bible where does humanity live? Okay, they live in this really sweet garden, their home. And they are there on one condition, that they trust and follow God's one command and they do not. And so the consequence is banishment from the garden. Ah, they are sent into exile. Exactly. And so, this story has been designed to set you up for Israel's story. How they were given the gift of the promised land and were able to stay there on one condition that they be faithful to the terms of their covenant relationship with God. Uh,
2: they didn't, and they were sent into exile.
3: And if you still don't see the parallel between exile from the garden and exile from Israel, think about this. In Genesis, humanity's exile led up to the story about the building of what city? Oh, yeah. Babylon the same place the Israelites are sent but that's not the end of either story in the first Babylon God called Abraham to leave and travel to the promised land and that story was designed to give hope to the Israelites currently living in the later Babylon now eventually they do get to leave and travel back to their promised homeland and when they did it wasn't home sweet home Oppressive empires were still ruling over them and the people kept acting in the same corrupt ways as their ancestors. And so the biblical prophets said that exile wasn't actually over.
2: How could they think they were still in exile when they're at home?
3: Yeah, this is really important. In the Hebrew scriptures, Israel's Babylonian exile became an image of something more universal. It's that feeling of alienation and longing for something more no matter where you live.
2: Yeah, I I can relate to this. I have a great home, but it's situated in a world scarred with pain and broken relationships, death, tragedy, done by others, but also done by me.
3: And so in the Bible, exile is the human condition. We all keep repeating this pattern of human corruption leading to a Babylon that we can't escape. And it doesn't matter where you live, we are all longing for a better home.
2: Now, Israel's scriptures held out hope that one day God would send a king who would rescue the world from all of the babylons we've created.
3: And after many generations pass, we meet this Israelite named Jesus of Nazareth. He wandered about with no home, announcing the great restoration, that reality of home that Israel and all humanity has been looking for.
2: Yeah, Jesus really cared about people who didn't have homes. He welcomed in the stranger. He said God's love is shown when you invite in the outcast and throw parties for people who don't have a place to belong.
3: Jesus also claimed that Israel and all humanity had lost its way, that our self-centeredness drives us to create false homes based on status and power, and these inevitably exclude others. We live in an exile of our own making. But Jesus said the true way home is one of weakness, of service, and of forgiveness. And then... Jesus went into exile alongside us to show us the true way home. Which is? Well, Jesus said he is the way. His life and self-giving love proved more powerful than humanity's failure. He opened up a pathway to our real home. And as Jesus' followers committed themselves to him, they discovered this new way of being human. They believed that the real return from exile had begun. And so they would call themselves sojourners or wanderers. Oh right, they would say things like the world isn't our home and we're citizens of heaven. And so Jesus' followers remain exiles as they wait for that day when Jesus returns to transform this world into a true home.
0: That says a lot. There's depth to unpack there. It is very rich. And I hope that This type of message isn't one that that we kind of checklist off and, okay, I'm done, I did church today, but one that we go back and marinate. What's true? What type of home do I want to build in? What kind of home do I want to be? We have all been exiled from our home with God. But number two, the second observation from Jeremiah 29 is this, you are home, cultivate your land. No, I want to get back to the promised land. I want to get back... Your home. In 29, he tells them, uh, in verse 5, build houses and make yourselves at home. Put in gardens and eat what grows in that country. Marry and have children. Encourage your children to marry and have children so that you'll thrive in that country and not waste away. So invest in that place. Don't think back to the good old days, what could have been. But now, see your God is great and your God in you. Jeremiah is telling those people. We've done a few points where I said, hey, think of this and your home and question. But now, let's do it again, this exercise. Imagine with me. Close your eyes. Imagine for a moment. If you could build any home and be in any city, not where would it be, but how would it feel? What kind of love? What kind of help and hospitality? What kind of roads? What kind of justice? Forgiveness and economy. What kind of food? All right, open them. You know what God's calling us to do? Be that. He's not saying imagine. He's saying it's in you. He's trying to restore that that garden vocation to to wake us up and say, no, it's in you, bloom. So he's telling them, bloom, don't look to go back. Don't look at what's going to happen tomorrow. In your lifetime, you will never taste the promised land. And he's telling them to bloom. This goes back to Genesis. He tells us to be fruitful and multiply. When you own a home, it's a lot different than when you rent a home. Period. Period. When people own homes, we become prolific at Home Depot, Menards, Lowe's, measuring things, uh, decor. We own it. We take a sense of responsibility. I was in a class and learned the, the idea of spiritual authority and taking ownership. And the pastor said that when you have ownership, you see every space is God's and you're going to take it serious. And even as if you find trash in the parking lot, when you pull in, if it's your church, then you'll pick up the trash. That, well, I wish I would have never learned that because this OCD thing started to haunt me. I mean, I'm in bathrooms, at restaurants, cleaning their bathroom. Because you got to leave it better than how you found it. And be careful what you're going to preach on because you'll be tested that week. So I'm on the phone. I'm driving right here by the church. I see a trash bag out in the center of the road, and I'm getting ready to drive by. It's raining. I don't want to get out. If there was ever a moment I want to drive by trash, it's today. And I look at it. It's open. It's yucky. I'm like, no way. Is this a test, God? He's like, ha ha. So I turn around. I get out. It's a turkey. All the legs that are out, it's open, it's sprawled out. I'm like, oh I'm on the phone, I'm like, I'm picking up a turkey, it was so gross. And look, this is not to tell you that I'm the hero. It's just to tell you that I think one God has a sense of humor, but he's also calling us all to be homeowners. Oh, that's somebody else's trash, that's somebody else's house, that's somebody else's church, that's pastor's job. Quit it. Your home. Bloom where you're planted, cultivate your land cultivate it so what's stopping us you know what's stopping us i really believe it comes down to this word of being content see contentment is focusing on what i have discontentment is focusing on what i don't have well someone else's land some the mindset that something else is better want to be somewhere else, with someone else, doing something else. And we miss the whole time the beauty of now, this attitude of gratitude. I love the picture. Um, I took a screenshot of it from that Bible Project video. Because when we think home, we normally think building. I think this is a beautiful picture. When we should start thinking home, we should think energy. People start to see us. They can touch it. They can... They can know that God is good, his love and his mercy and his forgiveness and his kindness and his joy and his patience and his forgiveness and his long suffering. People that don't just waste crises but invest in crises to become more like the one who made the whole world. I think that's beautiful. Each one of us in this city, in Lansing, right here where we're at. Number three, it's we, not just me. If I have a me mindset, I'll miss the beauty of what God's saying. Verse 7, he tells them, make yourselves at home and work for the country's welfare. Pray for Babylon's Babylon's well-being. If things go well for Babylon, things will go well for you. Well, I got God. I'm straight. I don't know what they're doing down the street, but I got God. This whole city's whatever. This whole country's whatever. This whole whatever, whatever, whatever. My house is good. Huh? Well, if things go well for Babylon, things will go well for you. Jeremiah's telling them that. Things will go well for you when things go well for the city. So you're not separate from the city, you're connected with the city. A city's success is tied to our success. So we're not separate, we're connected. So it's not time to run from, it's time to continue to run to. The mindset of tribalism stops us. My tribe, I'm good, I'm straight. Now, yet we're supposed to assimilate in a region, but we're not supposed to become like the region and become like Babylon. So we're countercultural, but get this, with common ground. So we're countercultural, but we got common ground. Each person, doesn't matter what your skin color, 99% of us, our DNA is all similar, the same. And if we all live in one particular place, we're driving on the same roads, we care about the same water, we care about the same air, and yet we can't even agree. It is the, the level of belligerentness in our own sin, the fact that we fight, we've been gifted this planet, and we can't even find another planet that we can inhabit. We can't find one. But yet we're all, oh, 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 no, you're home. Bloomer, you're planted. We got to see it this way. And I'm not yelling at you, I'm yelling at myself. What in the world? I can't be separate. I can't be a separatist. I can't just be a tribalist. I got to be countercultural with common ground. So no longer do I say, I don't want anything to do with the city. I don't want anything to do with the people. I don't want anything to do with the state, the country. I want everything to do with it. I want to be faithful because it's we, not just me. And if things go well for the city, things go well for me. So if my neighbor hurts, I hurt and we care. But, We're not God. And number four, he reminds, hey, the burden's not on you. It's not on you. God made a way home, and the future is going to be all new. That's what he tells them. So we skip down to verse 10. It says, this is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up and not a day before, I'll show up. I'll take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. When some of us, we thought about what home felt like, we never had a moment in our life where we felt home. We have a God that brings us back home. God says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you not abandoned you, plans to give you the future you hope for. It might not happen on our timeline. It might not happen in our timing. But that doesn't mean that the Lord is not working. This promise was for them then, but it's still for us now. And it goes on, verse 14, I'll turn things around for you. I'll bring you back from all the countries into which I drove you. God's decree, bring you home to the place from which I sent you off into exile. You can count on it. If we've been doubting today, you can count that God is faithful. Why? In steps Jesus. John 1 the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Who's on your block? Jesus. Who comes after you when no one else wants you? Jesus. Who goes down dead-end streets in our lives? Jesus. And we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish, Jesus. The promises back then are fulfilled in Jesus, that we can be home in Jesus, that home is not a place, home is a person, and the person came and found me, I didn't even have to find him. I didn't go to Zillow, I didn't, I didn't I didn't. have to do nothing. He came and found me. That's what 2 Corinthians is telling us in chapter one, verse 20, it says, whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus in him. This is what we preach and pray, the great amen, God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us sure in Christ, putting his yes within us by his spirit. He has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. He's going to do it. So we can be home today in Jesus and still And here's the coolest part about the whole story of the Bible. One day he's bringing back home and he'll make everything new. We have a future. That's what we see in Revelation 21. We get a glimpse of what's to come. Verse 2, I saw holy Jerusalem, new, created, descending, replessant, out of heaven, as ready for God as a bride for her husband. I heard a voice of thunder from the throne. I mean, thunder from the throne. Look, look. God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They're his people. He's their God. We're too busy worried about the home now. We get a home forever. I got to make my home so secure now. No, we're safe in Jesus forever, and one day we'll be safe forever. That's more than enough, friends. I wouldn't write the story that way I don't want it that way man who cares we're not writing the story we got breath in our lungs from God you and me we use maybe 10% to 12% of our brain I'm okay with letting God be in control somebody there's people he's their God he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes death is gone for good tears gone crying gone pain gone all the first order of things gone the enthroned continued look I'm making everything new. Write it down. Each word dependable and accurate. God is faithful. His promise is faithful. As we close, we're gonna sing promises. We're gonna worship because the tears were crying, the the baggages were holding on to, and it's heavy. The doors we can't open in our house. It's overwhelming. God wants us to let go. But before we do that, I want to give an opportunity. You say, hey, I've never felt home. Do you hear the voice of Jesus today saying, come back home? It's simple. We say, God, I'll never be good enough. Forgive me. I trust you. Make my life brand new. We didn't do anything to earn it. It's by his grace. And he makes us brand new. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That anyone can come back home. Anybody. Anybody. This is your moment right now. Jesus, take my life. Make me brand new. Lead me, guide me, disciple me. I pray this in your powerful name. And lastly, for us that are here, we, uh, I, uh, we have this, this guide. It's, it's called The Belief. We, uh, it's pulling up on the screen, but we wrote this before the church launched, and I, I won't read the whole thing, but uh, Crystal was reading it this week, and she was uh, real emotional, and she was filled with joy. She goes, God was telling us before the church even started, We believe loving our neighbors looks less like a handshake and more like a snow shovel. She goes, we can't even shake hands right now because it's quarantine, but it's about the snow and we could still shovel our neighbors. We could still bloom where we're planted. I thought, oh, that's God's perspective. Screenshot this right now. read this later. It's God's perspective. It's our belief. We believe prophetically the way God was saying, your home, bloom where you're planted. Your home. You're home. So you're right. I don't always feel like Lansing's home. But in my spirit, it's beyond home. In my spirit, I hear God saying, you're home, bloom where you're planted. And that's why we love this city. That's why we love the one. Let's sing together and worship God and trust his promises. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.